APU. American Public University is proud to present Exploring STEM. Hello, my name is Dr. Bureau Mercer, and today we're talking to Dr. Jamila Powell, faculty in the School of Health Sciences. And today we're going to be talking about summer health hazards. Welcome, Jamila. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Of course. I love our conversations and summer health hazards, although it sounds ominous and a little dangerous. It's important to think about before the summer comes and we all start going outside and having fun. But there are some things out there that we need to be wary of. And so the first question is, what are some summer health hazards out there? Well... I think summer is a time to have fun and enjoy, but I do think people need to be cautious because I think what they do is sort of, it's summertime and they throw caution to the wind and they just enjoy. But I think you do need to think ahead. I think that's the first thing is like plan wherever you're going, make sure you're planning, make sure you're bringing the correct items so that you're not sort of stuck somewhere, getting a sunburn, you know, things like that. The thing with the summer is the heat. And I think when we think of summer, we think of picnics, we think of gatherings, we think of seeing barbecue, seeing family and friends. And one of the things that happens is we get a little carried away with our time, chumming it up with family, and we sort of forget about the food. And things like potato salad, things that have mayonnaise in it, things that can go bad really quickly, tend to stay out much longer than we would intend if we were in the house. So that's the first thing that I would probably caution people against is like making sure you watch out for your food. The other thing is just heat related stuff, you know, heat stroke and people can also have heat exhaustion, which is like a little milder (laughs) than heat stroke. But that's a really big, I think, issue. And just things like sunburns, things like going swimming, making sure you're looking at where you're swimming, you know, the quality of the water. So the those would be sort of my major things is like heat related issues. And then I would say diseases that are sort of related to the weather. And then, of course, your sort of food poisoning. Those are like the major things we see in the summer. And those are great because for a large portion of the population in the U.S., I should say, we've been stuck inside winter. It's been cold. It's been hard to do things outside. And so when the summer comes, throw caution to the wind and, you know, have some fun. But there are some very serious things we have to consider. And one thing you said about heat, having lived in Arizona for many years, unfortunately, people die here when they go hiking in the summer. And as a local, we never understand why anybody goes hiking in the summer because, Well, for lack of a better description, you don't go hiking in the summer because it's going to be 110, 115, and that is the last thing to do. Even if you go hiking when it's 90 degrees in a dry heat, you need so much water. And as your body and as a person, you need to be used to that because if you're not used to that, your body can react negatively. And so just thinking about something like in a specific locale like Arizona, you got to be careful in the summer. But even thinking like if you're up in Michigan and it's hot and it's humid, again, even if you're from there, you have to think about hydration. Do people often forget about hydration? Absolutely. I think even during the winter, we don't, as Americans, drink enough water, I think. And I think a lot of that has to do with busyness. I think some of it has to do with just not knowing how much is enough water for your body because everybody is different. You may need more water than I do. People who have chronic health issues may need more water. And just your lifestyle and your eating habits really determine how much water you need. So if you're a diabetic, you probably need to drink a lot more water. If you exercise a lot, you probably need to drink a lot more water because you are expending a lot more energy. You're probably sweating more. So I think people just don't know how much is enough water. Like they may have this eight glasses of water thing 
happening in their head. And that's great if you are drinking eight glasses of water. But to be honest, if you are a bigger person or if you're just a little bit more active throughout the day, you probably need more. And I would imagine that if you're a coffee drinker or if you like to partake in alcohol, especially in the summertime when people are enjoying and having fun, you're going to need more water because caffeine and alcohol can be very dehydrating. So you need to replace that water. So there's kind of like a a mixture of things going on in the summer. You've got the heat, which is really tiring and can deplete a lot of your water storage. And then you also have like, you're just sweating more and you're also just maybe drinking a little bit more. (laughs) Um, And so those are things you really want to think about. So I would always tell people, please have at least two bottles of water just on you like all of the time. But if you're hiking, oh my gosh, I feel like you need to have a gallon of water with you because you just never know. What if something happens? What if you get delayed and you end up having to stay there longer than you want it to? You just want to be protected. And something as simple as water, we as contemporary humans, and especially in this country, we just assume water will always be there. And we just assume that water will be drinkable. And so we always have to be very careful. And I always recommend people take some sort of water container, some sort of metal container, something to have water all the time. I would say metal, so it's reusable. So it can last forever as long as you take a care of it so you don't have to use a plastic over and over and over. And like I said, coffee, alcohol, and heat, I mean, those things can dry you out. And by the time you get that headache, that's actually too late. Then you have to recover from that and drink. Just drinking some water instantly won't satisfy that. Your body then has to go into recovery mode. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize the headache is sometimes you're just dehydrated and, it, you know, <laughs> they may be thinking, oh, I just have a headache again. But again, at the point that you have a headache, like you said, it's a little too late. Like now you have to drink enough water just to get rid of the headache, but you're probably still dehydrated. And then you have to drink even more water to sort of give your body what it needs, especially in the summertime. But you were talking about drinking water and like people sort of take for granted, like there's going to be water available. And that is so not the case. I think I have a water backpack. So I take it with me when I go to amusement parks or things like that, where I know I'm going to be doing a lot of walking and I don't want to have to pay for bottled water. So it's really easy. It's something that I think people who are hiking, like you said, should take because it'll be easier to put on their back and they can also store extra water bottles like on the side of that backpack as well. But yes, I think water is probably the most understated thing of the summer. Like you have to have water. Exactly. And especially when you exercise, Um, I think a lot of people who exercise a lot, they realize the need for hydration, but those who are maybe starting to exercise or exercise more, hydration and having the right amount of water is extremely important for your body to not only build muscle, but to recover. There are these IV hydration packs that sometimes if I've realized I've gone through the day and I haven't you know, had a lot of water, I'm like, oh my gosh. There's like these little packs that sort of give you a boost of electrolytes and things like that because I've probably lost a lot during the day. I probably was sweating. Sometimes I even exercise and just forget to drink the water because it's such a busy day for me sometimes. And I think those hydration packs, they're not a cure-all at all, but I think it's important to replace and replenish those things that you've lost throughout the day because you don't want to, it's let's say seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night, you realize I haven't had a lot of water and then you start pounding it. That's not going to really 
work. It's kind of like sleep. You have to get it when you can get it. You can't really ever recover from it. So I think it's important not to do that. You can actually make yourself sick doing that as well. So I think it's important if that happens, just drink something that has a lot of electrolytes. And I don't, I'm not going to suggest Gatorade or things that have a lot of sugar, but there are things that have some electrolytes in it that I think can just sort of help, especially if you've gone throughout the day without drinking too much water. You just need to build that back up in your body and then try again tomorrow. (laughs) Excellent. And this leads us to the next question. What are some precautions we can take with a variety of different risks that are out there? Okay, so this is going to sound like very, very broad. But aside from the water, one of the things that I tell people to do is protect themselves in the heat. And this is going to sound super counterintuitive because when people, you know, in the summertime, they just want to wear the least amount of clothes that they can. (laughs) And sometimes that's actually the opposite of what you want to do if you don't have protection. Like if you have a hat or sunblock, sure, wear your tank top or your shorts or things like that. But if you don't have anything to protect you, you don't have any sunblock, you don't have an umbrella at the beach or something like that, you might want to wear like some light fabric that is long sleeve to cover your arms because that's where we see a lot of people get burned because they're just not paying attention. So I would recommend always wearing something that it's light, but it's long sleeve to protect you from the sun, especially if it's really, really hot out. It's interesting because if you go to the desert where people live in that weather, they're not wearing tank tops and shorts. (laughs) They're wearing long sleeve clothing. They're wearing these ties around their head that sort of protect them from the heat. So again, people who live, I want to say in like our weather, especially in California, they have rarely any long sleeve clothing on in the summer. And I think people just don't think about that. But folks who really live in that type of weather understand the importance of being protected because the sun can do a lot of damage. So I think wearing the proper clothing, that also includes wearing a large brimmed hat, I think that's important. Also, your footwear is kind of important. There's a lot of foot injuries during the summer because people like to walk around with either flip-flops or barefoot. And there's a lot of injuries that happen, whether you're stepping on something, a nail, or sometimes we have, this is sort of going to lead me into my parasite discussion. There are parasites that live in the ground. So you have to be careful where you walk. So it's always important, I think, for people just to take care. Like, don't just go out, it's summertime, let's just be free. You still have to protect yourself because there are a lot of injuries I think that happen in the summer. So wearing your light clothing, um, long sleeve, your hats, making sure your feet are protected. The other thing is making sure you're wearing sunscreen because sunscreen is gonna protect you from the sun. And the thing with sunscreen that I think people forget is you have to reapply it. (laughs) If you go into the water or if you're sweating, you need to make sure that you reapply it. And you also need to make sure you're wearing the right level of SPF. You know, there's 15 and up, like it can go 15 all the way up to 100, I believe. 15, I think is kind of low, um, especially in the summer. So I think researchers recommend 30 and up. And if you have darker skin, you probably want to go with the 40 or 50 and up. As far as swimming, because that is where I think is can be dangerous. I love swimming. Like I love being in the water, but I think you do have to be careful. You can't just go in there and swallow water and just have all kinds of fun because there are lots of parasites in the water. And I'm not talking about swimming pools because swimming pools typically have chlorine in them and they sort of keep that at bay. But if you're in lakes and 
sort of standing water that doesn't really move very often, uh, reservoirs and things like that, you are going to be presented with probably lots of parasites. Some of the more popular ones, when I worked in public health, we used to get them a lot in the summertime. Cryptosporidiosis, we just called it crypto for short. That's one of the most common ones. And then of course there's Giardia, which is another parasite and amoebas. And that's the scary one because that's sort of the flesh eating one. And so you want to be careful. Just, I would tell people, don't swallow any water. Just don't swallow any water. It's just not a good habit, period. But also there's things like swimmer's ears where you get sort of this water in your ear and because the water's kind of filled with germs, it can cause infections. And it's not like your typical ear infection, like middle ear infection. It's an outer ear infection. So it can be kind of painful. Sometimes it can be kind of foul smelling. And what I tell people for that is, just try to get the water out of your ear. When you come out of the water, just sort of shake your head, tilt it to the side, get a towel and just get as much water as you can out of your ear because that's something that I think is really uncomfortable and super easy to like prevent. Just dry your ears when you can. But as far as the parasites, just don't swallow any water if you can. If you can wear nose clips, that would be good too. That'll prevent water from going up your nose because even if you aren't swallowing water with your mouth, if it goes up your nose, you're ingesting it anyway because your mouth and your nose are connected. So those are the things that I would encourage. I know we talked about Lyme disease. Lyme disease is another really important one that happens during the summertime where ticks become a little bit more prevalent during the summertime. And because ticks are so small, people don't usually see them. And especially if you are wearing not a lot of clothing, because then you're not able to see them on your skin as well. But if you're wearing longer clothing, that's why I tell when people are going hiking, it's actually better to wear long sleeves and, and longer pants because you can see the ticks a little bit better on your clothing if it's like, you know, colored clothing. And it'll actually prevent you from getting bit from these ticks because they are very, very tiny. I saw a picture of one on a blade of grass. And so if it's that small, you're probably not going to be able to see it on you. So inspect yourself after your hike. Make sure you are inspecting yourself at least three to four days after the hike, because like I said, it takes a really small, they can hide. So just doing those inspections on your body, wearing long clothing and light colored clothing when you go hiking. So those are a couple of things I think that I would want to talk about. And those are absolutely wonderful. You know, it makes me think of just so many things like when you go and do stuff outside, which are fun, you just have to think about it. And number one, you're just protecting yourself. You're protecting family, maybe your kids, people that you care about. I live in Arizona. And so when I think of the people who work outside all the time, like various yard people, they're head to toe covered in clothes. They're not wearing tank tops. <laughs> they're not wearing flip-flops. They're wearing closed-toed everything. They're wearing long sleeve and pants. For people who want to go out and enjoy, you know, wear linen, a very soft and flowy, breathable cotton versus wearing some sort of like poly combo <laughs> sweat-resistant thing. You want your body to really react to the heat normally so your body does what it's supposed to do when it gets hot. And then also with suntan lotion, for whatever shade of color you are, you just need to be very careful. Having lived in the desert most of my life, I can't stand suntans because melanoma is a serious problem here. In a sense, we try to avoid the sun at all cost. But at the same time, I've got many sunburns on my feet. 
on the top of my feet because of the flip-flops I wear. And we usually wear flip-flops, you know, for like five months out of the year. And so, you know, you really need to be careful about something that you even forget about, like the top of your feet. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Jamila Powell, and we'll be right back after a short break. At American Public University, we believe that everyone should have access to a great education. It's not a privilege reserved for the few. And we believe higher education must come with lower tuition. Because when more doors open, more lives change. American Public University. Within reach, without limits. Online classes start every month. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. And we are back with Dr. Jamila Powell. And so this leads us to the next question. What are some diseases we need to protect against in the summer? So there was a couple of waterborne diseases that I talked about already. And what I mentioned for those is those are parasites. Just don't swallow any water. Matter of fact, don't even dunk your head under water, like swim, but maybe keep your head above water. That would be really good. Um, but then there's other things like West Nile virus that I think is pretty common, like across the United States is anytime you have standing water, you know, we get like these little kiddie pools that we want for our pets or our kids or whatever. And we have to remember to empty that water out because any little bit of water can cause mosquitoes and they sort of breed in that standing water and that can cause you to be exposed to West Nile virus through a bite from a mosquito. And even though I think there was a big surge in West Nile virus some years ago, people sort of have forgotten about it. It is still around. You can still get infected with West Nile virus. And sometimes it can cause some pretty serious side effects afterwards. I feel like in a way, similar to COVID, you can have long West Nile virus, just like you can have long COVID. You can have symptoms, body aches, and things that last for a few weeks to a few months. So that's one that I would really be careful of. As I mentioned before, Lyme disease is something that you really want to be mindful of in the summer, especially if you live where there's a lot of trees and bushes and things like that if you live in those areas because that's where animals with ticks, you know, like to, to be. And so it's kind of important. Just be mindful of that. It's usually more common in like the northeastern states, but I was actually reading some research a little while ago earlier this week, and they found some in California in areas of California that they didn't think that they would see it. So you just have to be cautious. You just never know. The other thing that I would mention is probably just Skin cancer, I think you mentioned it a little while ago, but skin cancer is something, like I said, people don't always think about. You mentioned like the tops of your feet when you have flip-flops on. And so when you are putting on sunscreen, you want to make sure you cover every area that's exposed, the back of your neck, your arms, and the tops of your feet, because I think a lot of people forget about that. They usually, like their nose, when I go to the beach and I see people with sunscreen on, I always see like the nose, like people always have it on their nose. I see them putting it on their arms and their legs, but I don't always see them putting it on their feet. And sometimes I think people forget, how do you put it on your back if you don't have anyone there to help you with that? So, you know, just be mindful of that. Skin cancer is real and anyone can get it. I know even as an African-American myself, I think in my community, people are like, eh, yeah, I can't get, you know, skin cancer. I'm like, you absolutely can. <laughs> you absolutely can. The problem is it'll be harder for you to find it because you have darker skin. So it's actually really important for you to prevent it even more so because you won't be able to detect it as easily. And that's interesting. You know, my wife had skin cancer when she was 17, just a little bit of melanoma, which they removed. At that point, you're like, how did she get it? She played soccer. 
club soccer for many years. So she was outside for years, essentially practicing. But at the same time, there's thousands of other kids who do the same thing and don't get it. The randomness of sometimes getting skin cancer, but you can always prevent it. And yet, no matter what skin you are, what color you are, you always need it. And, you know, besides the top of my feet, I always do the top of my ears because you got to be careful. I mean, that is a very delicate spot. And when you're talking about ticks, I remember, <laughs> I remember getting ticks on myself when we lived in Greece. It was probably seven, eight, and we would just run around everywhere on the island of Crete in Greece. It's very Mediterranean, probably very similar to the LA area as far as like the scrub and the climate. But I remember multiple times getting ticks and luckily nothing ever happened. But I think as a parent, if you have kids who go out and run in fields and obviously have fun during the summer, it's on you to really check your kids for those potential ticks. And obviously Lyme disease is like worst case scenario. Oh my gosh, you know, that happens. But even just to get those ticks off before something could potentially happen. Mm -hmm. There is a process to getting the ticks off. I mean, you mentioned something that I just thought about, but I was also in Greece as well. And I was not in that particular area. I was in somewhere, uh, Santorini. It was extremely hot. I almost felt like I was walking on the sun. It was so bright and so hot there. So I know <laughs> there weren't any ticks around <laughs> because there weren't a lot of foliage. There just wasn't a, a lot of that. So I can imagine in tropical areas, though, where the weather is really warm like that and sort of even humid. Oh, my gosh. You really want to be very mindful of just really a lot of the insects there, but also the ticks. We actually went to Santorini once and very beautiful. The the hills and the town on the side of the oh, mountain, yeah. or it's not really a mountain, but a hill, but just, mm -hmm. you know. The and, cliff. <laughs> the cliff, just absolutely beautiful. That volcano that exploded thousands of years ago that created that environment. But no, Greece, you know, like many Mediterranean environments, or I mean, much like the LA area, rich and beautiful, lots of plants, but also a lot of insects. So like with anything, you just have to be careful. Now, for those who might be taking trips outside of the country, what should you do before you go there? I think one important thing that I always do is check the weather. Before I go somewhere, I want to know what the weather is going to be while I'm there, because you need to be prepared. And this is sort of where I started, like knowing where you're going, knowing what you're doing. So if you're going to be going especially outside of the country to a place where you have not been before. You want to know the weather. You want to know what it's like, because even though it may be summer here for us, you may go to a country that is either above or below the equator and that may not be summer for them. And so you are preparing with summer clothing and it's actually raining there. So know the weather, know what it's going to be like, know what is endemic to that area. And what I mean by endemic is like, what are the issues? What are the health issues that typically occur, you know, most commonly in that area. Things like tick-borne issues, like I said, those are sort of endemic to northeastern states where I feel like those people sort of are aware of it. But in other countries, West Nile virus, malaria, diseases that aren't as common to United States, you may need to find out, like, what are those things that are common to this country that I'm going to that I'm not familiar with? Things like yellow fever, stuff like that. You may have never even heard of it. So I would say do research on that country, do research on the area that you're going to so you know what are the diseases that I need to protect myself from. A lot of them are mosquito-borne <laughs> diseases. So it's important to know how are you going to protect yourself from mosquitoes? Make sure you get the spray. Make sure that you have clothing that you can cover yourself up at nighttime if they don't have mosquito nets, you know, or if you're going to be outside 
how are you going to keep the mosquitoes away from you? So I think those are really important. Again, with water, that's another thing. When you go to other countries where the hygiene practices may not be the same, so animals and people are bathing in the same reservoirs of water, that's something that you really need to be aware of because that means that water is probably going to be infected with diseases that you may not be exposed to out here in the States or that you may not be familiar with. So it's kind of important to know that what are the practices, what's the culture here, and what happens if I do get exposed to something? Do I bring that with me so that I can treat myself? Because you may not have access to it depending on where you're going. You know, if you're going on safari, you know, it just depends on what type of vacation you're having. If you're going to a all expenses paid resort, <laughs> maybe a little different than if you're going to a more rural area where you're trying to be with the people, you may need to bring some stuff because you may not have the ability to get it if you actually need it. Exactly. And for those who can take vacations outside the country, which is great. And if people are lucky enough to do that, yeah, just be just be aware that not everywhere is like the US. Not everywhere is like Canada. And even not everywhere is like Mexico. Honestly, you know, when you go down to Mexico, it's a great country. But as with anything, you have to be careful about the water source anywhere you go. Or even to Canada where, you know, in the summer, lots of bugs. <laughs> Everything's alive in Canada. And it's not covered in snow. Or you go down to Mexico and you go down to Yucatan and you're getting closer to the equator. And so, you know, a little more jungle. Or you go to Baja and it's a little more like L.A., just know where you're going so you can be prepared. Absolutely wonderful. Any final words, Jamila? Take care of your skin in the summer. Drink water and be prepared and make sure you wear your, your sunscreen. And I think if you can do those things, <laughs> I think you'll be good. I love that. And take care of your skin because we're going to have the same skin, essentially, from the age we're 10 to 40 to 80. And if you take care of your skin throughout your life, hopefully it'll, it'll look as beautiful as, as it is today. Yeah, it's your largest organ. So take care of it. You're not going to get any more. <laughs> exactly. And so today we're speaking with Dr. Jamila Powell about summer health hazards. My name is Dr. Bureau Mercer, and thank you for listening. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU, American Public University.